0: How long, have been, how long have we, we have been working together?
1: It was 20 years last month.
0: 20 years. That's a while.
1: That's a long time. Yeah,
0: and um, over 20 years, uh, well, we did your wedding. We did. We've, uh, right cele- here, actually. We've celebrated, you know, we celebrated your, your brothers and sisters as they've done th- certain things, nieces and nephews, and yet you have introduced us to your broader family. And That's today right. we get to hear from your uncle.
1: We, th- we thought we'd just keep extending it. We're so. just going
0: to keep extending the circle. That's right. It's a pretty fun thing.
1: This is my Uncle Lynn. I call him Uncle Van. Come on up, Uncle Van. Because when I was little, he did billboard decoration, and he drove a big van. And, you know, when you're little, you associate people with things. And so um, this is Uncle Van, a.k.a. Uncle Lynn Corey. And... One of the things that when I think about you, I don't even know that you know this story. When I was little, we never drank soda in my house. Like it was a special day when we got Hanson's Natural Soda, oh, which I don't wow. even think counts in the soda thing. But my Uncle Van is a Pepsi fan. <laughs> he also happens to be a Dodger fan. Oh, And, and yeah, um, we still live. We, we love each yes, other. Yes, we do. And there's some Dodger fans out here too. You might feel like that's you right. came to Northern California and that's right. you're in a different land, but you have some some fellow fans here. Um, But when we would go see Uncle Van, we would get Pepsi, because Uncle Van is a Pepsi fan. (laughs) And to this day, when I'm having a crabby day, I have Pepsi at lunch, because it makes me feel like I'm on vacation somewhere. It's my little treat, having a Pepsi. Most days, I don't. I, I kind of on the natural soda thing, but um, thank you for influencing my life. Oh, bless you, That's I right. love you.
0: Even if it has to do with sugar, That's right. right? Well, um... Uncle Lynn and I have been in relationship now for, I don't know, maybe 12, 11 years, something like that. And um, Lynn has served as a pastor at Valley Vineyard in Reseda. Did I get it right? Reseda, California? That's right. That's why he's a Dodgers fan. fan. Um, But he's also been an author, and he's written the book that we've been going through as a church this fall called Jesus Secrets. This is uh, the way to advance the kingdom. And so um, you get a chance afterwards if you want to meet Uncle Len. And I think he's got books in the back if you'd like to grab one. Free. They're All free. All free. Free, free, like that. So <laughs> thank you for blessing us. Absolutely. Um, and, but more importantly, more important than being a pastor, more important than being an author, or even for me, a songwriter, the art of neighboring is something that Len and I both are incredibly passionate about. So we're gonna have a little conversation today and let you in on our conversation as we talk about one of our favorite things. And that is our favorite thing because Jesus said his command was to love one another. John 13, 35, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must have love for one another. By this all men will know you're you're my disciples if you have love for one another. There's also other places where Jesus says in Matthew 22, love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting from the Old Testament in Leviticus where it says, love your neighbor as yourself for I am the Lord. And so this idea of loving your neighbor, what if God actually meant our actual physical neighbors? Those people that live upstairs from you if you're in an apartment or next door or if you're on a little ranch maybe down the way, What does it look like to love your actual neighbor? I think sometimes loving my neighbor is one of the most difficult things, but it also has been one of the most rewarding things as I follow Jesus in it. So, Lynn, how did you come to this revelation, this realization, um, to love your neighbor and your actual neighbors? What did that look like for you? Well, you know, Andrew,
2: I I, I didn't even put it together. I, when we, in fact, I would say that I kind of, actually Joe and I, my wife and I, both of us backed into it. We lived in an apartment complex in, uh, at that time it was called Sepoveda city of Sepulveda. And we were living in an apartment building called the Noel Apartments, owned by Andy, w- Andy Williams. If some of you are older, you know who that is. If you're younger, you probably don't. But um, we started loving, our, loving people in our, our complex there. There was a group of us that, that lived in the apartment. We would pray every Thursday evening. And uh, so we just, it just became a way of life. In some respects, because I was a pastor at the time, it was like an avocation. I I was carrying out the most significant thing of loving our actual neighbor. And in that apartment complex, just amazing things happened. I remember one fella, He was like 60 years old, and I thought, man, he's old. (laughs) uh, uh, But after a time, he he showed up one time at our church, and he he said, I want to have what you have. And he prayed with me uh, to receive the Lord. His name was Jack, and he's long gone on to be with the Lord. But um, his wife had uh, terminal cancer, and she literally could not get out of bed. And uh, so... Uh, one day, uh, Jack asked me, he said, "Would you have your pastor come over and pray with Pat, who is his wife?" And so we he, he, we went over to the house, and we were in the living room. We began to pray for his wife, and out of no, um, nowhere, she comes running out of the bedroom, bounding out of the bedroom, and doing jumping jacks in front of us, saying, "You did this to me! You did this to me!" And she's Jewish. And, uh, and what happened was she gave <laughs> her life to the Lord right then with us. And then a, a week later, she went home to be with the Lord. We did a memorial service in their apartment. And uh, I mean, we just had so many experiences together with people in that complex that people from our church wanted to live in the apartment because there was such goodwill and love that was being experienced in that setting and that's really what you do when you begin to love your actual neighbor. You begin to change the, the whole environment where you're living. And so we kind of backed into it. I had a, a professor, his name was jo- Dr. Joe Aldridge. I had him at Talbot Seminary. I know you, same, I know you same went to seminary Talbot as well. well. Yep. Yep. And uh, every class, uh, uh, he would start off with a story from his neighborhood And it just kind of affirmed, wow, this is really the right thing to be doing. And so, but all during that time, I was reading every book on the church. And every time I'd read the book, I always felt like there was something missing. And I never quite figured it out. But through the years, I began to realize what it was, was loving our neighbor as ourself, uh, which Jesus told us to do, to love our neighbor. But where does neighboring start? It starts right inside your home. Where you live, you begin to love your wife, your children, the people that live right in the neighborhood, and it begins to spread where you work, where you play, where you actually spend your regular day. That's, you begin to to do this. And the outcome is that it's your relationship then with people is authentic as trying to, uh, we're going to go do evangelism. I mean, that is so not the way the Lord did what he did when he was here. He loved his neighbors himself. Mm.
0: The way I started loving my neighbor. I was going to ask you that. We were living in a condo in San Clemente, California. And uh, we had a downstairs, we were in the, the second story. So we had upstairs neighbors and downstairs neighbors, which if you live in an apartment or a condo, you know that can be a challenge. Our downstairs neighbor blasted his music, like so loud. And he always parked in our parking spot. And I was like... I am so ticked at this guy. And, and, and then I felt like, you know what? I'm talking at church about loving my neighbor. I'm talking about uh-huh. loving others. I should probably live this out here. And so I began having a, a conversation with this guy, and he invited us to dinner. I thought, this is going really well. We're going to go downstairs and actually see the inside of his condo. We're going to have a great time together. So we sit down for dinner. We get about 10 minutes into dinner, and he says, I'm so glad you're willing to have dinner with me. I want to talk to you about Amway. and I thought he beat me to the punch. I was going to talk to him about Jesus, but he talked to me about Amway and said, (laughs) well, it didn't go so well, but my heart definitely understood that I needed to shift, and I knew that it wasn't going to be easy, and there was some better moments, but it doesn't always go well, but I wonder, maybe you're listening to us, and you're going, well, you're a couple pastors. Of course, you know how to do all this stuff. They taught you in Bible school how to do this stuff, so how would you Start doing this, because really, there's nothing special about us just because we went to Bible school. We've got to do the same things everybody else does. How, practically, if you're listening on the stream or if you're in the house, how would you say get started with this? I would get started this way. and uh, let's let's say
2: you have never done you've lived next door to your neighbors for years and years and years, and you're embarrassed to start, you know, right. But what I would encourage you to do is, first of all, is, uh, is begin to be visible. In other words, you become visible. You, uh, I, I, what I started doing is I started spending lots of time in my front yard, and uh, I, the other thing that I started doing is I started walking um, in the neighborhood, praying for neighbors. And it's it's amazing what the Lord will begin to do. Is He'll open up relationships with your your neighbors, and the next thing you know, you find you're talking to them. And I would say this, what would be, once you build a bit of relationship with them, uh, you might even want to go up to your neighbor's house with a plate of cookies or or, or something of that nature, and you knock on the door, you know, I I just want to apologize to you all because I really haven't been the kind of neighbor I should be. Now, that may be hard for us to do, but that, if you've lived next door to your neighbors and have no relationship, that might be, that might be. Now, you may not want to do that, but that might be a way to start uh, with your neighbors and you begin to build relationship with them. Uh, and the, and what happens is, as I prayed and as I walked, it's like people can, and neighbors started coming out of the woodwork because we live in a day when we drive into our right, into our garage, the door goes down, and we have our little life inside our home. But when you begin to spend time and connect and have conversations with your neighbors, all of a sudden you find that they just start coming out and relating to you, and and it just builds this rapport, and you end up experiencing community. But you have to start somewhere, and it could be just a simple little gift that you give them to kind of Shock them. That's how I actually came to the Lord. A fellow, I won't go into the details, of, but he made something for me that just shocked me. I was surprised that he would devote all this time to do something special. So I would pray and ask the Lord, What is it that you would like me to do with my neighbors that would really touch their hearts?
0: And sometimes <laughs> it just starts by smiling at people and waving at them when you drive by, not going, Yeah. <clears throat> because there's, there's nothing that says I love you like like the face you know uh,
2: down in Laguna Beach there was a guy he was he would wave all the time they even have a statue of him in Laguna Beach but he was he was the waver and you began to be the waver in your neighborhood. You'll, you'll, it's amazing. All of a sudden, they'll warm up to you. And, want, and even I have a friend of mine, he said, because he was waving all the time, people came up to him and said, you know, I, I'd like to get to know you. Why do you always wave all the time, you know?
0: Yeah. I just want to be Building. friendly. I want to be a good neighbor. And I've said this to <clears throat> my neighbors multiple times. I want to be a good neighbor. And... and you don't have to walk up to them and say, I'm here to love you like Jesus loves other people, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you don't have to say that. You say, I just want to be a good neighbor. I, I, want, I want to help out. Uh, and there's sometimes really creative needs in your front yard. So I've become the leaf blower guy in my neighborhood. It's been a while, and I now have a larger blower thanks to my friend Bruce, and uh, I am the leaf master. I put my little, my things on, and I blow about four houses, and I just try to, you know, try to manage the leaves. <laughs> and sometimes that works out great. And there have been times when mm-hmm. neighbors have run out of my, their house telling me to stop because they're environmentalists and they think blowers are evil. And then I turn it off and go, you just need to understand whatever you do, you may face some kind of opposition. I'm not, we're not here to tell you it's always going to go smooth. Right, sometimes right. it doesn't go well at all. Right. But it doesn't mean that we don't try. So there's also holidays that come up, things that happen. I know our neighborhood is, they've become really passionate about decorating for holidays. Like even with Halloween, I mean, people are going all out with all kinds of crazy things. And I don't love all the decorations, but it's a great conversation piece to say, you know, you see somebody out in the front yard and they're, they're setting up and stop and roll your window down. Hey, what's going on? Tell me about what you have going on here. And they've always got a story on what they're doing. Um, We've been going through this series. Every week has synced up with one of Lynn's chapters in his books, Jesus Secrets. Last week, Pastor Chris, our youth pastor, preached and did a great job talking about the fact that we as people who are Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Therefore, we carry peace. And yet, when we approach a house, or let's say we're going to apply it to our neighbors now, uh, our, our neighbors. We're looking for a person of peace. Tell us a little bit more about this. I know it was a really short chapter, but I think this is a really important concept. It, it really is, Andrew. It's, um, actually, it takes
2: the burden off of you because what you're doing is you're beginning to look for people of peace. And in Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> he says, Matthew chapter 10, he says, <clears throat> essentially this, if they welcome you, If you have neighbors that welcome you, that is really the starting point. So you're looking for people who like you. And I want to say this. They they like you because there's something about you, more than likely, that's different than what they're used to. And what they like is the one who's in you. So don't get a big head when they start liking you, okay? (laughs) So when they start liking you, they become attracted to you. And Jesus talks about a worthy person. He talks about people of peace. And these are people who God's put his peace on. They're not yet believers yet, but they're on their way to be believers. So what I started doing is I started looking for these people in our neighborhood, as I had communication, relationship with them, then I began to identify people of peace. Remember this one woman? I'd never talked to her about spiritual things. And she, she said to me, Lynn, I'd like to talk to you about something that's spiritual. We had connected before, but the, she moved into, the, into a, really a spiritual dimension. And what, <clears throat> what I love that Jesus said, he said, when they listen to you, they listen to me. And so you're looking for people who listen to you, who like my uh, my daughter-in-law, who's yet to become a believer. She said to me, she said, Lynn, I want you to know." Actually, said, "Dad, I want you to know that everything that you're saying is not going in one ear and out the other, but it, it, I'm taking it all in." And so you'll begin to see that people will do that. And so you're looking, you're looking for people who like you, who welcome you, and then then those are the people, you want to love everybody in your neighborhood, but those are the people that you're going to give special attention to because the Lord is working in their heart. And we'll talk about this in a moment. But Jesus said, my father is always at work. See, we think we're out there on our own. But see, the father, the heavenly, our heavenly father is around working in the lives of people in your neighborhood. And he's placed you in that neighborhood for a reason. It's just not happenstance that you happen to live there. And so your father's at work and then he will invite you into things that he wants you to do. But so I have people in my neighborhood, I remember one gal named Leanne who came to faith. I mean, she I saw her, I picked up on right away that she was a person of peace. <clears throat> she came to the Lord and our in our Joe and I prayed with her in our dining room. We baptized her and f- with all of bi- people that are part of our neighborhood Bible study. It was just a glorious event. But So it's a progression, and you're not forcing it. You're, you're looking for people that the Father's already been working with, and, he, and that person or persons are becoming sensitive to the things of God. So it's a progressive type thing, but everybody gets loved in your neighborhood. That's right. Secret weapon in our neighborhood,
0: walking your dog.
2: Yeah, I was going to mention that. Or walking yep. your, if you have a baby, you know, or oh, children, yeah. you know, walk them. It, it works.
0: We have neighbors who walk their dog in a baby carriage. No joke. Yes. It's, yes. A, it's very cute. <laughs> Saw them actually last night. Um, in the last 18 months, we have had this little thing called COVID, which I think has changed the game a little bit in neighboring. Uh, talk about that a little bit because I don't think it's all been negative. It hasn't, Andrew. In fact, I, I, I probably, in my
2: spirit, have been happy about it. Now, I know that may seem terrible to think, but what it's done, and, it may, and I'm sure it's happened to your neighborhood. In 2020, we had everybody was walking in our neighborhood. Did, how, raise yep. your hands how you found yep. that totally. there was more people walking yep. in your neighborhood yep. and you had a greater sense of community because everything now is happening in the local place. And what, I, what is so important to the spread of the gospel, I'm going to use this, these terms, geographic proximity. It's an important thing to think about because we all live in neighborhoods. So one of the things I think he did is he de-emphasized the building, the Lord did, during this season and placed the emphasis on where we live where we work, where, where we go to school, where we play, wherever we might be, it, it, he narrowed it down. I see the Lord in all of this. Now, obviously, there's downsides to COVID. I, I, please know, I, we had COVID, so I know. But I, but I want you to know that I, well, the way I see it, that God is supernaturally working. Through COVID, through through everything that's going on, see him behind the scenes, moving in a beautiful way to accomplish. Like for instance, one of the guys in our neighborhood, his name's Billy. He played for St. Mary's. He's six foot tall, six foot, really tall and big. He's like two hundred fifty pounds, big, and he he played with Magic Johnson and and. He and I met each other before COVID, and we just fell in love. A big African-American fellow. We hugged each other the first time we met each other. He's a (laughs) believer. And during COVID, right at the outset, he said, I want you to lead my son to the Lord. His name is Cody. And uh, so I... He said, we're like all social distance, all three of us were six feet apart, and I'm sharing the gospel with Cody, and, you know, he's cheering me on. Well, long story short, during this whole season, we ended up going down to Vanguard, where now Cody's going to school. He wasn't a believer when he got there, and I don't know where he's at, but it's a really great school, great place in Costa Mesa. And I ended up going down with them, and Cody afterwards, he said, you know, this was. This would have not gone this way, Lynn, if you had not been with us. I've only known him about three, maybe met with him about three or four times. Gone to his games and stuff like that. But COVID opened, I think, opens up doors. I think fear. A lot of people are living in fear. And we as a church shouldn't. And I'll say this. COVID COVID. is is a great servant, but a terrible... I mean, fear is a great uh, servant, but a terrible master. And if you let it master you, then you're going to cower. But this is our time, I think, to stand strong and stand up and live as as people who are... God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, right? Mm -hmm. So...
0: It's true. And I think... When you have, let's say, a neighbor share with you, I'm really afraid. And people have been very outspoken about their fear of COVID. That's a perfect time to Absolutely. say, hey, can I pray for you just right now that the Lord will give you peace in place of that fear because he loves you. Yeah. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But um, I know that uh, for some people, they have figured out social distancing circles in their on their block, so... I know that my parents have like Friday night, everybody brings their own drink and they, they make, a, make a big circle in the end of the cul-de-sac and everybody's distance. And they have gotten to know each other better than ever before. And they, you know, now that some of the restrictions have lessened, they still do this. And so there are opportunities uh, in the midst of all this. And so what role does prayer have? Because really? I know... Um, praying for, you mentioned praying for others. And, and one of the things that I've done is tried to get to know all of my neighbors' names. So at least I can pray by name instead of pray for that guy with the brown hair, you know. Uh, but to pray for them. So when I drive by, I try to pray for each neighbor as I drive by. By the way, we're not talking about hours and hours and hours of your week. We're talking about minutes and minutes and minutes when the Lord brings things up, that you're attentive and you're, you're ready. So prayer, tell us about that yeah andrew i uh
2: one of the things that i the lord has shown me and what i want to share with you is like the centerpiece for neighboring and i've mentioned it in the book but this is the the idea of kairos Uh, the word kairos means opportunity in the new testament there's two words for for time one is kairos and the other is chronos chronos is what we our clocks what we run our, our daily lives by and chronos is not a bad thing But if your whole life is lived by chronos, then you're going to miss out on the opportunities that God has for you in a given day. And so I want to just share briefly some verses here. And this is in John 5, 17 through 20. And Jesus Jesus says this, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And um, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And this is really what I desire for you all to do, is to move in a place where you're amazed, like Jesus was. You'll you'll be amazed at the things that he brings up. And what the Lord really uh, helped me understand about this whole idea of of kairos, it's in uh, Ephesians 5.14. He said, wake up sleeper. So if you want to begin to get involved in in the work of of your Father, your Heavenly Father, you have to wake up. So you, you can be awake, but not awake. You understand what I'm trying to say? You can be asleep while you're awake. You're asleep to the dimension of the Spirit and what God is doing all around you all the time. And he says, be very careful. Oh, and then he says, um, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, and he says this, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, he's not talking about the Lord's will. He's talking about the Lord's will in a moment-by-moment Days in which you live your lives. You become aware of what your father's doing in the spirit. And you'll be amazed at the things he does. Uh, one of the things I want to emphasize is uh, Dallas Willard, who's a dear friend of mine. Dallas, Dallas, one of the things that he emphasized is don't ever try to make anything happen. So if you get into that mode of trying to make the things happen... Rather than allowing the Lord to, to set it up and, and to, to join in with what your Father's doing, He'll put people off. But if you find yourself in the flow of what the Spirit is doing with your neighbors, people who you work with, or wherever who aren't believers, you'll begin to be, become sensitive to the Spirit in the moment. Dallas Willard said, Lynn, what you are doing, if you keep doing what you're doing, we'll see revival and awakening. And uh, Dallas was quite an individual, a lot of of pastors um, he ministered to. He was a professor at USC and just a brilliant man, but a very humble man. And so, um, so I figured, well, he's telling me if I keep moving forward, then I'll see revival, but don't ever try to make anything happen. So what do you do? And what the Lord revealed to me is that you pray. And I like what, you know... Uh, In Psalm, David says, I lay out my prayers before you and wait patiently. So the second thing is that you wait. You wait for him. And you're waiting not with, will it ever happen? But you're waiting with an anticipation of what God is going to do. And then the third thing that I realize is that Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So you're watching to see what the father's doing. Your eyes are open. What are you doing in this situation, father? And then all of a sudden, like a little kid, he says, come on, come on, son, or come on, daughter, I've got something for you to do. And you join him in what he's doing. That's how Jesus, all the stories in the gospels, that's how they all took place. In fact, at the end of book of John, it indicates that if all the things that Jesus did, they couldn't they couldn't fill up all the books that are in you know in the world. So Jesus was very active, but he was active in doing what the Father was doing. So I'll share a quick story with you. When we had COVID, our neighbor across the streets, part of our neighborhood Bible study, let this doctor friend of hers know that we uh, had COVID, and she came over on four occasions and. Gave us medicine that we needed. My wife and I, Joe and I, were both with COVID. So after after we got healed up, Andra asked uh, Linda if she would like to be a part of our Bible study. She has been a part of our Bible study ever since. She comes every other week because she's on seven and off seven. And, And she's yet to come to faith now, she invited her sister. She invited another doctor who's come. I mean, you can't make these things happen. So the, this doctor from ICU happened to see a video that we all filmed letting her know we missed her on the week she wasn't there. And she wanted to know, what is it you're watching? She said, oh, it's my Bible study. And she said, well, I'd like to go. <laughs> and her mother was dying, was in hospice. So she said, I need that. And then, uh, then Linda invited her sister I wish I could just read the... the, I just got this this week. Uh, Her sister Barbie says, I don't quite understand. All I've known all my life is believe or else. And she said, and now she's coming to the Bible study and she's... Uh, she said in her, her email to me, she said, I, I don't understand all these different verse references. Could you help us help me out? I'd like to know about faith. I mean, these are things that God begins to orchestrate when you begin to enter in. It took us a while before the Bible study actually started. But when you begin to love your neighbor by an, in, in the Kairos way, you begin to see it just kind of grow into
0: what God has in mind for it. So... Let's tell a few stories, because that's really fun, about how people have engaged their neighbors. Because there's all sorts of creative ways to engage your neighbors. So maybe we'll take turns. We'll just, we'll like do a little bit like ping pong. So uh, for us, we take advantage of holidays. So if, if it's Thanksgiving, maybe it's pumpkin chocolate chip bread. If it's Christmas, maybe it's cookies but it's probably pumpkin chocolate chip bread. If it's, uh, you know, we love the 17th of March, which is St. Patrick's Day, it's probably pumpkin chocolate chip bread. Are you you seeing where I'm going with this? We don't create something completely different every holiday. Why, because my wife makes mean, and I mean great pumpkin chocolate chip bread. People argue over it, they fight for it, they steal it. Um, and we know it. So that's a secret weapon. You just, you know, ding dong. I just, I made, I made an extra loaf for you. <gasps> you know, Andrew, this, this I'm going to tell
2: on myself on this, okay? It, I, there's a lot of things I could tell on myself about. But I, if you've read my book, you'll see some of them already. But um, we have, a, we had a, a couple in our church and they would make a uh, almond roca. It was like to die for. And so I thought, this is a great opportunity. I am, I'm going to get this almond roca. And so I bought 20 bags at $5 a piece, and I, I'm going to give it to all my neighbors. And I set it in our bedroom, <laughs> with a, in a bag, all these little bags of almond roca. And this was early on, and it was like, I'd look at the bag and I, you know, days would go by, weeks would go by, and the Almanroca is still there waiting to go out to our neighbors. And I was, I was fearful of doing it because I felt like I was going to be really, feel goofy doing it, you know, going, here, you want some roca, you know. And so my granddaughter came by, her name's Jacqueline, she was four at the time, and I don't know how, we happened to have a wagon at our house at that time. And for some reason, you know, the light went on and I realized I can take Jacqueline with me. That's right. And I won't feel so stupid. And what happened was that we went door to door and Jacqueline went with me. And Jacqueline at four years old is totally uninhibited. She's walking in their house. People are inviting (laughs) us into their house. Come on in. We have something we want to give you. And it just opened everything up. But I was hesitant to do it because of how it I might have felt if I was at a neighbor's house, here's your bag of almond roca. I've been doing that now for years and years and years and all the neighbors look forward to Christmas around that time when we give out homemade almond roca. So I understand.
0: <laughs> yes, kids are a definite icebreaker for the deal, but sometimes it's just it's just trying to catch someone at, a, at an opportune time. If they're doing something, if they're loading in something heavy at their house, you go, hey, do you need any help with that? I have helped neighbors move couches in and all sorts of things. And it's amazing just, especially when someone's really struggling, it just feels like someone throws you a lifeline. So just being aware that if somebody's moving in, it's a great time to go over and say, hey, how's it going? Do you need any help? I'm happy to jump in. Um, and, and being available in those moments where you see there might be a need. Yeah, no, it's need. What you're saying is, is begin to pray and ask
2: the Lord to show you the needs of your people. And when you meet a need that they have, you ever seen a, one of your, your husband or your wife all of a sudden do something really nice for you, unexpected? Can you imagine you start doing that with your neighbors? And it's unexpected. And uh, it's, it's just, a I know one guy in our neighborhood has Parkinson's, he he got he was a, a nurse at US UCLA. And I, I, I just happened to meet him and I found out he had you know Parkinson's and really great guy. And I said, you know, Gary, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And he took me up on it and I've taken him down to UCLA to emergency and a lot of different things that I've been able to do for him to meet his needs. And of course, Joe, my wife is always looking at, he's single, so she's always bringing food over to him. And just think of the bond that it brings between neighbors that way. You'll get connected, if you get connected with your neighbors, you'll find that you will be more connected even with people in the body because you live in geographic proximity to them.
0: When you see each other more often. So there was an older woman who moved in across the street and so I wanted to make sure that I, get, I went over and introduced myself. So I'm, I see her get their trash cans. She's bringing her trash cans in. So I run over there and, hi, I'm Andrew. And, and she introduces herself as Barbara. And uh, I said, you know, if there's ever anything we could do for you, uh, Linda and I and, and Mimi, our daughter, all live right across the street here. She says, yeah, actually there is something that you could do. I've got to take my dog to the vet and I can't pick up my dog to put my dog into the car. I said, okay, I, I could do that. So it's this huge Rottweiler. I mean, huge. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know? And so I got my face right down by this, this Rottweiler, and it was a very kind dog, but it was slobbering all over me, and we, you know, it, it actually took my son and I both to pick up this dog and get it in the minivan. And, and the woman just, she said, thank you so much, and she just began to weep. I just thought, it's not that big of a deal. For her, it was a big deal, and she then explained. She said, I lost my home in the fire. I lost my husband right after that. These dogs are all I have, and now I'm afraid this dog is so sick, it won't. live." There was the real need. Absolutely. Getting the dog into the minivan was just, you know, slobber fest. But, But the real need was she needed to be heard, and she's weeping. And so then there's those moments of, Like, what do you do? And now you get COVID on top of it. You don't know what to do, right? But I just put my arm around this this little lady. She's like this tall. I just said, whatever we can do to help. Well, she took us up on it. And so she would pull up in front of the house and roll the window down and hope that we would see her. And if I would see her, I'd run out there and, what's going on, Barbara? I've got this going on. Can you help me? Absolutely sure. We'll get over there. And so we, we house sat for her. We did different things. And she just moved out recently with one of her kids. But loving her has been one of those delights. And it was interesting as she was working through her grief. We had a grief seminar here that our friend Lynn Matheson put on. And I brought her with me. And she just had the most wonderful time. She felt so loved, so seen, so heard. And it was just one of those moments where I was sewing in. Final thought on neighboring for us. You know, I, I just want to
2: mention, when Andrew started, he talked about we're just pastors. But I have a pastor friend of mine. I just, This came to mind, so I'm going to share it with you. He came to what we call, we had what was called neighborhood collective meetings. And I invited him. He's a pastor of the church in Camarillo, good-sized church, about 2,000 people. And I invited him to come to it. And he came, he said, because he, he wanted to support me. So he came, came to the event, he, he, he could only stay a short period of time and left, and he kind of felt like, well, I, I did what I needed to do to support Lynn. And the Lord spoke to him, he said, so how many neighbors do you know? <laughs> And he, the Lord nailed him. I mean, just nailed him. And I mean, I have documents where he's written, I, I am in rebellion. I realized that I was in rebellion to my Lord's greatest commandment. To love the Lord and to love your neighbors yourself. And you know what? But it's for all of us. It's not just for, his name is Bruce Zachary. It's not just for Bruce. It's for all of us. All of us. You know, want to be obedient to the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God, and to love our neighbor as ourselves to love one another, and to full, be a part of fulfilling God's great commission.
0: Mm. Now, it is the last day of October, which means that it's the day before All Saints Day. Tomorrow is All Saints Day where we celebrate the saints. We don't pray to them. We don't count on them for anything, but we celebrate the stories of their life and their testimonies. And I hope that you join us for our potluck dinner tomorrow night and maybe come and share a testimony as well about what God's doing in your life, because you are a saint if you're a Jesus follower. Now, Christians are all over the map on what to do on this last day of October. There are some that retreat away and they do prayer meetings and worship gatherings, and that's wonderful. There are some that wholeheartedly jump into all of the revelry of what is all Hallow's Eve or Halloween. For our family, what we've figured out works for us is to be the light in a dark place. So all these scary decorations everywhere, we have our Christmas lights. I made sure I field tested them last night. They're all ready to go. Bright white. And we oftentimes have a fire pit and we serve soup and we serve some hot drinks if it's cold, although I don't think it's going to be that cold this year, and just we're a place of hospitality. We're not wearing scary costumes. We're not celebrating dark things, but we see it as an opportunity to bless. Amen. Like I said, Christians are all over the map on this. So for you, this might not work, but for us, this has become one of those days of the year where our neighbors come over and they say, and they begin to open up. And we begin talking about all sorts of things that are going on in their life and what's happening because we've just shown hospitality. And I think whether it's all Hallow's Eve or another day, um, hospitality is one of these keys that says, I want to share what I have. Just come. And so loving your neighbor doesn't always go well. It's not always easy. We could both tell you horror stories, which we won't tell you today, uh, of when it went badly, Mm. when I prayed for one of my neighbors and I used the wrong name. Uh, I used the name of the lady that she was having a conflict with and I prayed for her with the wrong name and she probably got completely the wrong idea and left. (laughs) Man, you just try so hard and sometimes it doesn't work out. But Jesus is in the midst of all. So if you'd stand, if you're in the house, We'd love to have the prayer team come forward and offer prayer for anybody who has needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, whatever it is, we would love to pray for you. So, um, Jesus, thank you for the fact that you have a heart for those who are far from you. Thank you that lost people matter to you. And that you were willing to even leave the 99 to go after the one. Give us a similar heart that we would go after our neighbors in a loving way, that we would love them in a way that would help them to see who Jesus is. And in the midst of it, give us creativity and boldness and give us adventure and fun in the midst of it as well, as we love our neighbors well and see you work and live this adventure that you've invited us to into this life to the fullest. So we give you praise, Jesus. We do pray against all the dark forces in our city right now in Jesus' name, that they would be quelled, by the goodness of God. They would be destroyed by the angel armies that are dispatched into our city. May our city be a place of light. We just pray that you would eliminate uh, the temptation from hearts tonight to do harm. And Jesus, we lift you up and glorify you on this day that you've made. And it is a good day. So we bless you in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thank you so much for joining us here in the house as well as on the stream. We'll see you next week.